There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Friday podcast. We certainly are thankful for the week the Lord has given us as we've begun the book of Matthew. And so Lord Willen will be uh, tomorrow at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church in Shingle House, Pennsylvania for the Bible Conference. Be there all day Sunday as well. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll begin our busy fall season. McVeigh's will be in Pennsylvania in several different meetings and back and forth in between. We'll be in New York for a couple of weeks up to the state of Maine, down to the state of North Carolina. And so we have seven straight weeks on the road, so we need prayer. If you would just consider us and consider praying for us, we certainly need help from God. As we go into Matthew 3 again, we're going to begin uh, in verse number 7 this time. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, now it's interesting that they came to the baptism, and the Pharisees and Sadducees are always there. They're the practitioners of religion. They're always witnesses. We see them all through the book of Matthew, all through the scriptures. And what they're looking for is they're looking for fault. They're looking to see who is lined up with their doctrines and with their ideals. And that's most of religion today. Are they of our stripe or are they of our people? Do they line up where we need them to line up? And yet, very rarely does God say anything good about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. And very few times does God even mention. Now, there are a few individuals within that that God speaks well of, but as a whole, he does not speak well of that congregation. And John didn't speak well of them. He sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've come to his baptism. He sends them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. So he calls them vipers and tells them, who hath warned you to flee? And they've established their own religion. They've established their own preeminence. They've established their own ideals, all of those things. It's no different than organized religion today. They have an ideal that you need to hold to. That's why denominational structure is so important to denominational preachers and denominational congregations. They need somebody to rule over them, somebody to give them an idea. They really don't believe that a simple man can sit there and read the Word of God and God instruct him doctrinally. Recently, the statement was made, well, you, you all just don't think hard anybody's saved. And I'm going, well, there are men that go off into apostasy. They identify what they are, identify who they are, but there are also men that just go into the throes of being a hireling. They go out there and seek money. They go out there and looking for offerings, and they water things down. They do not preach the whole counsel of God, and they're under the judgment of God, yet only God determines that. It's not for a man to determine, but these people identified themselves. They identified either as Pharisees or as Sadducees. So when John saw them, he called them out, and he said to them, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. We need to see some fruit that you've repented. 
It's no longer about the, the enlargement of your phylacteries and no longer about your separated life and no longer about all of these things that are man-made and things that you can accomplish in your flesh without the power of God. He said, where's your fruit? Where's the evidence that you've come to repentance? And that's really where a lot of folks are still today. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. And he says to them then, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so again, he attacks their doctrine. He attacks them where they live. He deals with them on the ground. They always spoke of Abraham. They love Abraham. Abraham is their God, if you will. And therefore, they always use Abraham in conversation. It's obvious about that. He said, God is able to these stones to raise up Abraham. Abraham was a great man. He was a patriarch. He was a great prophet of God. Yet, their focus is Abraham, not the word of God. It's like followers of, and you could just pick a name, followers of William Booth, followers of John Wesley, followers of, of Billy Sunday, followers of the sword of the Lord. They all have an ideal based on religious ideals, but they don't have necessarily a following based on the word of God. And therefore, he said, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Now, one of the things that I saw many years ago, I was starting out in evangelism and I was way away from home and, uh, and a man taught Sunday school and the ax laid to the root of the trees. And I was not aware of the type of church I was in. I thought they were kind of a, more of a church like I was in at the time as a member, but the church that I was visiting was completely different than what our church was. And so the pastor had taught Sunday school and he taught on the ax being laid to the root and he just spoke of those things that John chopped down the root. And then from John until now, there is a succession of a Baptist lineage. And he went through that idea that John was the first great prophet of God. And from the days of John, that's why we're called Baptists, is because of John the Baptist. And for 2,000 years, you can trace your lineage back to John. And I was sitting there, and I was ignorant, and I questioned the man. I said, well, did not John say that the axe was going to be laid to the root? Is that not what he's speaking of? Because of Jesus Christ, uh, Judaism, as we know it, is dead at this point, as they knew it, because Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is about to start his earthly ministry. Uh, the Pharisees, uh, all of a sudden, are out of sorts because they're without Christ. The Sadducees are without Christ. The followers of John, we learn over in the book of Acts, at one point are without Christ. They have John's baptism, but they do not know that there's a Holy Ghost. And yet they receive the correction. They receive the instruction. And a lot of the error that people have, if they would just believe the Word of God, they might come to repentance. They might would change that error. But usually, historically, because of family, because of religion, because of uh, monetary gain, they will not change their position. I've seen men that have gone out and they've tried different religions, and uh, some of them are even clergy, and they've tried different flavors of religion, including fundamentalism, and it didn't work too good, so they finally kind of found a niche where they fit and where the money flowed, and those men are true hirelings, there's no doubt about that. But it's those that cling to the word of God, those that believe the word of God, those that can be instructed. They receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Those are the people that God can use. That's why John called them vipers. He knew they weren't going to change. He knew that no matter the evidence presented, they were not going to change their values, their opinions, their reasoning, their thinking. There's no doubt he knew about that. And so he said the axe is going to be laid under the root of the trees. Their religion as they know, it's never going to be the same. 
Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Why would he tell them that? Because they're not bringing forth good fruit. Their religion has produced nothing. If we learned anything the last week on the podcast, it's that matter of you and I also being profitable servants. What is the fruit of our lives? What is the fruit in your family? What is the fruit in your church? What is the, the fruit in the ministry? What is the fruit of your life that you even know Jesus Christ? And there are people that have absolutely no fruit. They have never borne fruit. They have no evidence that they know Jesus Christ other than they have a profession of faith. But if you follow them long enough, and by the way, some of them could be saved. I don't want to discredit that. But you follow them long enough and you'll never see fruit from their life. You'll never see the evidences of fruit. They have religion. They have a form of godliness. But all they have is bitterness and malice and envy and jealousies and strife. And they're selfish and self-willed and they've accomplished nothing for God. Why? Because they are not willing to bring forth fruit. And he said, if you don't bring forth fruit, he's going to hew you down, cast you into the fire. Whose fan is in his hand? And he will throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So God is going to purge his floor. He is going to separate the wheat and the tares. He is going to separate the chaff and the good grain. He knows what fruit is, and he knows the evidence. You realize you can have a husk of wheat that has absolutely no fruit in it. You can have a husk of wheat that grows, it looks right, it looks good, has no fruit in it. I've seen vegetables that have grown and they were beautiful and you cut into them and there's absolutely nothing inside. They're hollow. They're a shell. There's no fruit in them. So it is also with us. So it is with, and by the way, it's an examination for me, just like an examination for you, whether or not you have that evidence. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John. And what a great statement that is, then cometh Jesus. The greatest day of my life is when Jesus came to where I was. The greatest day of John the Baptist's life is when Jesus came to where he was. And you can just fill in the blanks all through the scripture on the Damascus Road. What is the greatest day of his life? The day that Jesus Christ came to where the Apostle Paul was on the Damascus Road. How about Peter? Where's Peter? He's on the lake shore. Jesus Christ comes by. He's mending his nets and he calls him. Jesus Christ came to him. What a glorious, glorious thing that is. As a blind man, we read about in the scripture. Greatest day of his life is when Jesus Christ came to where he was. There's a man named Zacchaeus, and he's up in that sycamore tree looking for the Lord. And Jesus Christ comes passing by his waves. The greatest day of his life because Jesus Christ came to where he was. And I could just go through scripture after scripture and tell you of lepers and tell you of, of dead men and tell you of women uh, that were not even looking for him. Jesus Christ came by. Thank God for that. He said, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And Jesus Christ himself was going to submit to the baptism of John. And that's part of the hewing down of that root. That's part of that ax being laid to that root. Uh, God is going to raise up a tender branch out of the dry ground. Thank God for that. God knows where that seed's been planted. That seed of the woman's going to be planted on earth. And then God's going to water that seed that's going to grow. And that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. That seed of the woman's what's going to bruise the head of the serpent. And that tender plant's going to grow up. There's no 
beauty nor comeliness that we should desire him. It's not about his outward beauty. He's not that long-haired, doughy-eyed, beautiful man you see in paintings. No, he's the son of God. His beauty is not external. His beauty is in who he is. It's the beauty of holiness. Bless his holy name. And he came to where I was one day. I thank God, April 20th, 1997. Now listen, I have a way to remember the date. Most people don't have a way. There's a lot of folks, they say, well, I don't remember the date I got saved. I'm not too concerned about the date as much as I'm concerned about Jesus Christ coming by your way. And thank God if he's ever come by your way, you'll never forget it. You may not know the date, you may not know the time, you may not even remember exactly the place, but let me tell you this, you will remember when Jesus Christ came to visit you. And thank God he came to where John was, seeking to be baptized of John. John said this on this wise, but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered, and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And thank God that he suffered him to be baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And notice it doesn't say the Holy Spirit. It says the Spirit of God. And we know that that's a person. He was in the form of a dove. is like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, what's the purpose of that, that appearance of a dove, like a dove? What, what is the importance of that? Because we see the Godhead. We see the fulfillment of the Godhead bodily. We see the word that was made flesh. That's Jesus Christ. We see the father in heaven. We don't see him physically. We see him by faith. We hear his voice from the heavens. It says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then we also see the person of the Holy Ghost. Now he was like a dove and therefore he had the appearance of a dove, but he is the person of the Holy Ghost. He is that unseen person of the Godhead. And there he visits where Jesus Christ comes out of the water. There the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost bear witness of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And what a glorious event. What a glorious time. Now listen, I'm not mystical. I'm not spooky. But if that doesn't send a little chill bump up and down your back, I'm kind of concerned about that. There the Godhead bodily stands in the person of Jesus Christ. And all of God himself is bearing witness of the baptism of his son. And he said, this is my beloved son. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And they're the Sadducees, the Pharisees. They're missing it. They don't see it. They don't believe it. They don't know he's the son of God. Listen, I don't know who heard him. I know when Jesus spake on the mount, there were only a few that heard, a few that saw. Most were blind. They could not see. I don't know how many people realize that that form of a dove, that likeness of a dove has come. I don't realize how many heard the voice of God. I believe some probably did not hear. It was probably the voice of many waters. It probably was that, that voice only those in faith could understand, but I can't prove that for sure. But I do know this, God bore witness of his son. God bore witness of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It pleased the Lord to put his son on this earth and to please the Lord to make him flesh, and it pleased the Lord to give him this earthly ministry upon this earth. We'll be back, Lord willing, on Monday, begin in chapter 4, and we'll begin to look at the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Would you have a great weekend? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. 
and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.